0: Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how's it going today and the last show of June?
1: It is great. It's a beautiful day here in Pittsburgh. They're uh, you know banging out some articles here and there, but for the most part, there really isn't a lot to talk about, as you know, but uh, I don't think we mind that so much. <laughs> it's not the worst thing no, in the world. It's
0: got to be a little dead time, but you know, as always, as we're going through this series and we're... Uh, Kind of blows me away. We're almost done with the division deep dives. We're going to do the NFC South today. There is some things to talk about, um, so let's get to it. News things before we get into the NFC South. Thing was last Wednesday, David Harris, formerly of the Jets, signs with the Patriots. Everybody said, "Hey, what a Patriots like move." Um, really kind of praised it a lot. The way I look at it is, like, hey probably good for David Harris more than the Patriots. I mean, I, I think he's going to be helped more than than he's going to help the Patriots. What I'm saying is he might get himself a ring being on this team. Um, and I don't know how much he's going to – I think he'll help them mentally, and that's always big for Bill Belichick's defensive players. But, I mean,
1: is this a really a huge deal? It's interesting. You know, I mean, I like Harris. I've liked his career. You know, I always think of Rex Ryan when I think of him. you know, I mean he came over from the Jets from uh, you know with a history with Ryan, considered kind of an extension of the coaching staff, particularly Ryan during their time together, smart leader, tough, certainly kind of a throwback player, especially at this age where he's much more of a run stopper between the tackles, banger than he is, somebody to turn and flip his hips and run in coverage. And it's never really been his game to begin with. What's interesting, there's two things I think, is certainly the Patriots have a history of this. You know, I mean, they grabbed Chris Long last year. I mean, there's so many names that were big-name players in the twilight of their career that want to get a ring that you get on the cheap and you bring them to New England and use them right. But I think one aspect about the, the Patriots that isn't brought up a lot, when you look at their front seven. People always say, boy, the biggest weakness of the Patriots is they don't have a dynamic edge pass rusher. Well, they don't, but almost every position in their front seven, unlike the rest of the league, which is so Belichickian, is designed to stop the run. You know, their defensive tackles are 330 pounds. Their defensive ends are big, stout 4-3 guys. Dante Hightower is better playing downhill. Harris is the same mold. I mean, even Van Noy and all those guys. They're really good run stuffers, and their secondary's great in coverage that eventually these guys get home rushing the passer. So I'm not saying they don't look for pass rushers. They would love to have them, but they never pick in the top 10 to draft the Vaughn Miller's and, you know, Khalil Max of the world. And they're so expensive that when they get a guy like Chandler Jones, they can't afford to keep him around. Yeah, I mean. And then, the, the, you know,
0: they'll develop guys like Flowers. Um... Rivers this year, I think they took right. him in the third or fourth round. They're excited about him. And let's race it. If you've got some ability, they feel like they're going to mold him and they don't necessarily feel like they have to overdraft anybody. Or You know, I mean, that's why they trade some top picks. They feel like they can identify Patriot-type guys and coach them up, and, and they'll be fine.
1: Yeah, and what's really interesting, too, is more than any team in the league, by a wide margin last year, the Patriots only brought three-man pressures. You know, so it was almost like we don't rush the passer very well, so we're not even going to bother. You know, our corners are great. You just invest in a guy like Stefan Gilmore to play a lot of man coverage. They play a lot of big nickel. They don't blitz very much. They only bring three and say, okay, if you can dink and dunk your way down the field against eight guys dropping in the coverage and really good corner and safety play, Best of luck to you keeping up with Brady and Gronk and company.
0: And we can't complain. Win, and it works. You know? <laughs> right, right. So uh, another little news uh, nugget is that uh, Derek Carr signing a hundred million five-year extension, averaging $25 million a year. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I don't get too excited about contract numbers because for a few reasons. It's, it's not my money. They often don't see the full value of it. And, you know, who cares? It's just, it's, it's play money. It's monopoly money. Um, and there's always going to be somebody else to get a higher deal. So Derek Carr is the richest player in the NFL. Well, you know, next year, James Winston will be, and maybe Marcus Marriott will make more money than Carr. I think my, what I want to talk about Carr is, Did you see this coming, where he could at
1: one point be the richest guy in the NFL? Yeah, I'm with you. Like, to me, it's hardly news. You know, I mean, I always look at things through a GM standpoint, and I think the interesting quarterback, you know, conversations are, do you re-sign cousins? Do you give Flacco that huge money after you're winning the Super Bowl? And that one's kind of come back to hurt them. Or, you know, the mediocre guys. Uh, are the conversations of, well, how much do you actually give those franchise quarterbacks that are barely franchise quarterbacks? You know, the the cars of the world that are coming up in the world and are already a top-ten player at the position, which I believe, and probably has his best football in front of him and is a foundation of the the franchise, you just give them the going rate, and that happens to be making them the highest-paid player in the league for now. But kind of like you said, He's just a placeholder. You know, Andrew Luck had that title for a couple of months, and then, you know, Matthew Stafford's going to get it next, or I'm not even sure who's all up, but some Mariota or whoever is going to get it, you know, and it's a good problem to have. It's better than having the Alex Smith and Matt Schaubs of the world, and I do think Carr deserves it. I mean, you can't let him go. <laughs> I mean, that's the other alternative. You can't let him go. You can't do that. Um, you know, if we were... If you and I and thirty other intelligent people about the league had a draft right now, and you threw every guy in the in the mix, and you started from scratch, I'm going to build my team. Carr would be one of the top ten picks. Yeah, for
0: sure. I I I, I might take him at number three, and you know maybe one, number five, at, you know maybe at the latest. Yeah, I mean, 26 year old quarterback who is defending.
1: Yeah, I mean, he should play for ten or twelve more years.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's exactly it's the going rate. And what else are the Raiders going to do? I mean, this, this is a, this is a GM who drafted Howard Wilson in the fourth round and traded for Matt Flynn and Matt Schwab and two years before seeing Car Baldo. Of course, he's going to sign Car. You know, I mean, Ray yeah, McKenzie right. knows that Derek Carr is the reason why this team is turning around. You know, he's the primary reason.
1: I 100% agree, and I also think they've done a very good job of catering to his strengths and weaknesses and giving him, you know, people around him. I mean, in my opinion, you know, the biggest knock on him coming out of Fresno State, and part of it was because his last name's Carr and not Williamson, was, you know, how does he handle pressure? And I think that was a legitimate issue, and, you know, he played a spread in college, So what do the Raiders do? They invest more in the offensive line than anybody out there. You know, he deals with a little less pressure than the average bear. That's smart. Yeah, you know,
0: we've always talked about Eli Manning. If his name was Johnson, maybe he wouldn't be looked the way he is. I think if Derek Carr's last name was Johnson, he'd be a Houston Texan right now. They would have took him with the first pick of the second round. But they were too scared to because of, you know, taking his brother 12 years earlier was the number one pick, and it didn't work out. I, I, I think being David Carr's brother may have hurt him a little bit, which is too bad because David Carr is a really swell guy, you know. I mean, and he was a great
1: prospect. He just went to a terrible situation.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, and Derek Carr has talked about that since his first month in the NFL. I was like, hey, I know it's one of the reasons why this has been better for me than my brother because I have a better offensive line. I mean I think David Carr would sack a record amount of time. And you know, you can't get anything done if you have any
1: protection. Right, right. And I don't know that David would have been a star if he'd have went to a different situation or not. Who knows? But I do feel very confident that ninety percent of quarterbacks coming out of college thrown into David's situation would have failed. And I also think, you know, it's easy to say, boy, Carr was a really good prospect coming out of Fresno State, but I don't think he was at the level of Wentz or Winston or Mariota, an obvious top-five pick. You know, I think he was a fringe guy, you know, like a, you know, a fringe first-rounder, like to me, like a Watson or the group from this year, or the guys he was drafted with, and that's where I'm going with this, is... I think he was closer to Bridgewater and Manziel at the time. And therefore, I think, you know, maybe it was easier to take Teddy or Johnny because of their last name. Yeah, you may I have mean, lost those I ties.
0: There was four there was four top prospects, you know, Bortles, Manziel, and Bridgewater, obviously, cars car way better than all of them. Um, but I think he was the fourth best prospect on most teams' boards. And... You know, I mean, you can you can ding the Browns for not taking them at 22. You can ding Houston for not taking him at 33. You can ding the Vikings for taking Bridgewater over him four picks ahead of the Raiders. But you know, I think a lot of the, most that's the, the board fell kind of the way it was supposed to. And, and you can ding and you can ding Jacksonville for taking Bortles in the first round instead of taking Car in the second round. I mean, there's all kinds of blame to go there. But you know, hey, it happens all the time, and the Raiders benefit.
1: Right, and it's a franchise changer for the Raiders, as we've talked about Absolutely. many times. Absolutely,
0: and I'll be honest, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be a franchise changer when he was drafted. I mean, I, who would in the second round, you know? Right. And maybe even after his first year, I didn't. I, I had some questions about him, but when he came back in the second year and answered some real questions about his game, accuracy, red zone, reading defenses, like you know, this guy has something here, and, and you already knew that he had the the, the the intangibles and the makeup to be a star, I mean, he reminds me off the field, at, uh, like Phil Rivers, and, and maybe even on the field, as far as the
1: way he commands his teammates and his leader, and just so natural at it. Yeah, and actually, that was a question I was going to ask you, because you're close to the team and you've been there, and I pretty much knew the answer, but, I mean, intangibles, leadership, the way that the rest of the team looks at them, all those are massive positives, Right.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll tell you this story, and this isn't Colin Kaepernick piling on because this this observation happened two years before, you know, his, his political stance, which really changed people's opinion of him, fair or not. Um, I covered the 49ers' for every day in 2013, and Colin Kaepernick was a pain in the butt to deal with from a media standpoint. He always... He would change his locker. He would always do his press conference on Wednesdays at a different spot, and it was a big game and it annoyed teammates because you know here's like the defensive lineman and now he's sitting in front of his press his locker when he's trying to get ready for practice with forty media members and he's just playing a game and sometimes he would hardly talk you know answer questions and it was he was really unimpressive. The only time he was impressive was when he talked to the, like five speak guys by ourselves without any cameras one day late in the season, and he was really good. But the rest of the time, he was difficult. My very first day in the Raiders locker room, before Garrett Carr even took a snap, I talked to him for like 15 minutes, and you can just tell him. There, there was a leadership quality there. And I'm like, wow, this guy is a lot better than the last guy I was dealing with it, from a media standpoint. Does a media standpoint mean he's going to be a better football player? no but at at the quarterback
1: position it's important no question and he even says and of course you know this but you know even like he was on the podium when David was drafted you know what i mean like and he sat there and he learned protections with his big brother um growing up and obviously looked up to him and had a great advantage and soaked that all up and i'm sure he learned good and bad things that his brother did you know, it, it is formidable years in the NFL and how to treat media and coaches and teammates and all those things, and it's paying off. Yeah, he's 13 years old. I mean, you don't you don't really see brothers coming to the NFL
0: that far apart, you know. In, yeah, right. In age. And, and, and I think that kind of helped him out, too. Kick um, with the AFC West a little bit, and uh, some news that I was really surprised by the Chiefs. Firing John Dorsey. You know, five minutes before they fired John Dorsey, they announced that they um, extended the contract of Andy Reid. And, and frankly, when I saw it, I assumed Dorsey got extended as well. And then five minutes later, the opposite. I thought those guys had a hell of a thing going for them. And I thought they were a real team. Were you surprised by that move in June? Yes.
1: And I don't pretend to be super connected in the league or – you know, have inside sources with all these teams. Uh, that, that was never really my bag, even at ESPN. I mean, uh, and and honestly, at times, that got me in trouble with ESPN. They wanted me to do more of that kind of stuff. But now I'm not a reporter, and I'm not going to beg people for information. But I feel like that was one of the most stable teams out there. And now I feel like the plate tectonics are moving in Kansas City a lot you know, in that It's funny to me, and this is just my hunch. This is just doing this, what I've done for a living for a long time, that Reed or somebody in that organization, maybe it's ownership, looks at this team and says, we've hit our head on the ceiling. We're never going to be – we can't get over the hump. We're a good team. We're not a great team. That's not good enough. We need to, you know, we need to go – Get Pat Mahomes. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's where I'm going with this. Is right. you know, you, you, our quarterback is not in the building. We need to make big changes. When we, whenever somebody writes the novel of the history of the Chiefs, they're going to say this off season they made giant changes with the guy above Andy Reid and the guy below him. And by that, I mean the quarterback. You know that, and it'll either be. A wonderful story of Pat Mahomes takes this team to the next level and is, um, you know, everything they wanted to be. And, you know, they moved on from Macklin. And the other point I wanted to say about that was maybe more than any team in the league, they were about the most static team out there. You know, like, I don't know where they got better. You know, I really feel like. They're living for tomorrow. With every move they made, you know, even their second round pick, Passignon, the big, impressive looking defensive lineman, he's super raw. You know, Mahomes shouldn't play a snap this year, except for Kareem Hunt. I, I don't know what they did to get better, and I'm not sure that's not on a purpose. Yeah,
0: I, I I worry about the Chiefs a little bit, and uh, more from the. More from the Dorsey, thing. and I can't deny that they, I don't, they haven't gotten better. But part of their gig was that they're stable, and there was great leadership
1: mm-hmm. between
0: Dorsey and, and Reed, and they were packaged deal. And hey, they took over the team that had the number one pick in 2013, and they and they went 43 and 21 with Alex Smith as their quarterback in four years, went to the playoffs three times. That is really successful. I don't know why there would be changed needed, and obviously they felt change was needed, so that just kind of scares me. I just wonder, is something going on there?
1: Yeah, and I bet there is. You know, I mean, it, it, uh, why would you move on from a guy that's done his job well? Yeah, I, uh,
0: and they're hiring his replacement, you know what I mean?
1: Right, it's, right. It's not like they're going to do
0: a different structure. I, I, just, It just smells funny to me.
1: I agree. I 100% agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I mean, that's something we'll keep our eye on, and see if it costs him on the field. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, and it's going to go, take us right into the division, is Nick Sterling, Is uh, you know, on, it doesn't look like he's going to play this year because of some heart issues. The Saints have taken some hits this off season, haven't
1: they? I feel like this has been the hardest off season, or the you know, the team that's been hit the hardest this off season. Um, without question, I mean, unless I'm overlooking somebody, you know, because Max Unger's a foundation player for them. He's hurt. I can't seem to dig up enough information to think you know, where are they thinking his recovery is. But he's one of the better centers around. Um, Armstead, the left tackle, is loaded with ability, and his, his um, career arc seems to really be on the rise. But he's out a substantial amount of time. I think a lot of people unfairly look at – I didn't mean to say that – unfairly look at Nick Fairley and say, boy, you were overdrafted and you've been a bust and you're lazy. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I thought he was a very good player for the Rams, a very important and you know quality player for the Saints that deserved the contract they gave him. You know, the, They've done an awful lot to try to get better on defense. It hasn't really worked, but it's not for lack of trying. And I think he's a good interior pass rusher, and I was really excited to see him next to Sheldon Rankins, who I'm really high on. So this is a big blow, and all three of those things are potentially gigantic. And, you know, this, they, they can't afford it. And, you know, we're about to talk about this this division, and, and I, I said on my Locked On NFL podcast, I did a divisional ranks just recently, that I think this is the second-best division in the league, come next besides the AFC West. I mean, uh, I think that there there's star power here, and it's extremely deep. I don't see a bottom-tier team at all. And so, therefore, there's not a lot of room for error. And if you're the Saints, that might be enough to keep you back from where you need to be or want to be. Do so you think this division is better than the NFC I do. Uh, I, I think Atlanta's better than any team in that division. And I think the other seven are all about the same. You know the, the every team from the oh, East, including the, the other three from this division. Uh, I, I can make cases for and against all seven of those teams, and, and if I did a power rank, they wouldn't be too far off.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking we may before training camp gets going, we may do a ranking of division. So it's something to keep an eye on.
1: Um, yeah. But
0: yeah, so let's just go right into it. I mean, the best team in the division is the team that won the Super Bowl last year. We know how close they were to winning the Super Bowl. It was almost miraculous that they didn't win the Super Bowl. Um, let's just kind of start with a lot of people think they may have a nasty hangover from the Super Bowl. We've seen Super Bowl hangovers often. Hell, the year before in the same division with Carolina Panthers, um, they had a classic Super Bowl hangover last year. I mean, if any, if a recipe for a Super Bowl hangover isn't
1: twenty? in twenty eight to three lead, I don't know what else is. I think that's true. Um, I, I kind of look at it a little more analytically than as opposed to emotionally, and say this offense has to take a step backwards. I mean, they were unbelievable last year. They were the best offense in the league. They didn't do anything on paper to get better on offense. Um, I thought their biggest weakness on offense was the guard spot that Chris Chester held, and he's gone, and the guys they brought in to me aren't good enough. I expected them to address that more. So I still think that's a hole. Um, And you lose the best coordinator in the league, and and I believe that. So there has to be a drop-off there. Um, They were also unbelievably healthy on that side of the ball last year, too. I mean, I'm pretty sure all five offensive line starters basically played every game all the way up until the, the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen again. So I think an A-plus offense is going to go down to being an A-minus offense, which is still good. I mean, uh, no one's complaining, but I don't think Matt Ryan's going to be the MVP again, and they're going to you know, be as good on that side of the ball. Um, however, I think the defense is better, you know, because they've drafted athletes like crazy on that side of the ball, including Pat McKinley this year. Um, you add Don Terry Poe, and more importantly, you had their best defensive player, True Font, wasn't even there during their run.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. And, and and those quarterbacks who took his place played pretty well, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and it really benefited in the big picture. True font not being there really helped. Alford and Collins and those guys that they got very valuable reps and did very well, you know, they've put a lot of draft equity on that side of the ball and it's starting to really grow and it got better and better as last season went on. Keanu Neal and Jones, the linebacker, that they used high draft picks on. And then another pretty heavy defensive draft and, you know, a secondary that's young and talented and fast. And clearly that's a team that values, speed and spark scores, and and why wouldn't you? You play in the Dome with the best offense in the league. You fly around. You make plays. You rush the passer and, you know, play in a lot of shootouts. And, you know, I I think their team building in Atlanta is about as good as any in the league.
0: Do you think they'll miss – I mean, you mentioned it. Do you think they'll miss Kyle Shanahan? maybe too much? Will will, will that be a big big hurdle for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it can't be, because I do believe he was the best in the business, and anyone coming in to replace him would be a drop-off. I thought he was excellent with in-game adjustments. I thought he was great at... You know, showing different looks and utilizing a wide, wide variety of personnel. You'd see three tight ends on the field. They used a fullback heavily. I mean, it did a lot of things that the rest of the league wasn't doing and did it very, very well. So I do think that will be a drop off. But again, I mean, it's a very talented group on that side of the ball. I mean, as long as Ryan and Julio are, are healthy i got to think they're going to be one of the better offenses in the league.
0: Really, the key to them, in addition, I mean, I think there's three keys for them, is, you know, getting over the mental hurdle of what happened, Mm -hmm. improving more on defense, and I think the Sarkeesian-Ryan relationship is is as important as anything. If if, Because Sarkeesian, who spent most of his time in the college, and, you know, he's working with a guy that was, just tremendous under Shanahan. If if there's any issues there, that can that can really hurt the, the, the win loss tally. I think if they don't have instant chemistry.
1: Yes, and of those three things that you said are key for this organization. The one that I feel most confident about is the defense improving.
0: Yeah, you know, and I like Dan Quinn a lot. I think he's smart. I mean, he talked about the Super Bowl hangover immediately as far as how he's going to jump on that, and I know he, has, he, he talked to some coaches who experienced the same thing, and he's had some, you know, mental coaches talk to his players. So I think he's going to work on that as well as possible, and I just think he's a good CEO type. I mean, this guy, went, you know, he turned around that team pretty quick and went to, the, went to the Super Bowl in his second year as the head coach. And I don't know if Dan Quinn gets enough credit. Yeah, that's a good Anyone point. And they've been ass in the Super Bowl for, you know, over a half, too. You know? yeah,
1: yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, um, you know, we were just talking about Kansas City, and it kind of dawned on me as, we were, as you were talking there that all of a sudden Atlanta, from ownership to front office, and the front office does a great job, The head coach to quarterback, is one of the more stable teams and more successful teams in the league now.
0: And you know how they did it, and I think you appreciate this: is they really stockpiled front office talent. You know, I mean,
1: yeah,
0: Dimitrov showed no ego, and they brought in Pioli and a few other guys. And I think there was like, wasn't there like four former? I think wasn't Phil Emery there, and maybe De, uh, Devaney? They all have roles, and these are all smart, experienced guys, and if there's no egos involved. That type of, you know. Runoff office leadership can really help turn around a team and i think that's what we're seeing in
1: Atlanta. Yeah, i mean i really get the impression that it's one of the class organizations in the league that wants to win. And believe it or not people, not every team in the league wants to win as much as others.
0: Well, i i know what you're talking about, but let's expound on what what's their bottom line?
1: I mean, To me, I mean, Atlanta wants to win as much as anyone. They're putting as much resources into winning and doing it right and building as much as any team in the league. And I just don't think every team does it to that degree. Yeah, I mean, hey, and if you don't believe it, just look at
0: the standings year after year and see some of the teams that, you know, continue to flounder. So, anyways, let's go to a team that was really pretty close to c- kind of unseating, to beating out Atlanta in the, in the south, and that's Tampa Bay. I think they've done a nice job this offseason. They're going to get better anyways because of their young talent. Um, this team could make a real splash this year, couldn't it?
1: Yes, and I'm a huge Winston believer. Um, I like the coaching staff. I like their aggression to get better this off season and surround Winston with talent. And the defense finished very strong last year, and I think they'll continue to be quite good. But I also think a lot of analysts are maybe jumping the gun a little with Tampa, that people are talking about this is a team that's ready to really explode and they might knock off Atlanta and they're an easy playoff team. I think they're good, um, but... I wish they'd have done more with their offensive line. They really ignored it. Um, I'm a believer in Doug Martin, and I think he's going to have a big year. And all the reports are strong, but he suspended the first three games. And what if he doesn't? <laughs> you know, I mean, he's certainly not a sure thing. Um, I love Winston, and I love the weapons they put around him. But is that enough to make this a 11 and five type of team if there isn't much of a running game or? the offensive line is questionable and i think that there's a better chance that the running back position is stable than the offensive line situation and i don't love the secondary you know that uh, hardgrave had a rough rookie year grimes is very up in age the safeties are very ordinary but i like the front seven and clearly one thing tampa did this that, that was a priority for them was they're known as a fast aggressive one gapping type defense and That's great, but they got gouged up the middle some. Well, they went out and signed Baker, you know, a big nose tackle type body from Washington. And then they drafted a linebacker Beckwith that people didn't think would go that early because he's really just an old school run stopper. Well, that's something they wanted. They wanted to get big and physical up the middle because they lacked that. But, I mean,
0: there's going to be some offensive passing game weapons. I mean, Oh yeah. They got OJ Howard and they got Braid. You know they got Howard in the draft and Braid was good last year. They Ed Jackson. I mean they're, they are going to score some points.
1: Yeah, and I'm very intrigued with them. I mean what I just said was kind of negative and I didn't mean it that way. I just thought people might be getting a little ahead of themselves with this team, but they're going to be a blast to watch. And they've got Deshaun Jackson taking the top off, and I think Mike Evans is very much a star in the making, and as is Winston, and double tight end set that can. Uh, Rival anyone out there, and even a guy like Godwin that they kind of fell in their lap in the third round, they have a lot of playmakers.
0: Wouldn't you say Howard was one of the you know top of the draft steals?
1: Oh yeah, Uh, I mean uh, I very much believe that if you told you know if you asked the the front office in, in Tampa it gave him true serum, do you think you had any chance to get O.J. Howard? They would have said no.
0: Right. And then that's why these guys do it, man. That's, you know, for the chance for that kind of lottery ticket to fall to them, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: So, and, and I don't know that he'll have a huge
1: rookie year. I just think right. that he's going to be a very good player.
0: Do you think this could be a playoff team?
1: Can be. But I think the NFC's tough. You know, I mean, if they were in the AFC, I'd feel a lot better about it. Not only is their division tough, but their conference is tough. I probably think they're the second-best team in the division, but I really think Carolina, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans are clumped pretty close together.
0: What time, Carolina? What in- a what- what- very intriguing team. I mean, they were 15-1 and one the year before, 6-10 and 10 the next year. That's, we, we see these kind of examples. But it's just another reminder that hey this the only thing that matters in the NFL is what's happening right now in this schedule. Last year doesn't matter, next year doesn't matter right now. And I mean, are we gonna see the Panthers bounce back from a really pathetic year?
1: I don't know. I mean they're fifteen in one year I thought, and I said very much in that off season, I thought it was a little bit fluky, and I expected them to come back to earth. Not to that degree, though. I mean, that was a, a rough year, <laughs> and some things out of their control hurt them. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I like their front seven, and that's what the defense is all about. Keekly returns, and I think he's a Hall of Famer and playing in, you know, in his prime and everything he's cracked up to be. The secondary's a year older at least, but they don't stress that situation much anyways. So I think the defense will be quite good. You know, I mean, two years ago they caused an ungodly number of turnovers, and that just wasn't sustainable, and that probably will never occur again. Um, but I think they'll be quite good in the front seven, and they'll be, you know, the 10th or 12th best defense out there, which, you know, most teams would say, great, you know, <laughs> we'll take that all day long. In the wild card to me is Cam. And I wonder when the book is done on his career, are we going to say 2016 was – or 2015 was the outlier, that MVP year, that he was an okay player, he was a good guy, you know, a good quarterback, uh, a unique talent – but there was just that one year that all the worlds collided positively, and it was by far his best year, and the other ones, and that was the outlier. Uh, that's what worries me.
0: That's fascinating, because he he had that great year because of who he is. It, it, he wasn't, that wasn't a fluke year, I don't think. I mean, he has that ability to do it over again. Um I I, sometimes I think his demeanor gets in his his way. I don't think he handles adversity very well. I mean, that's documented. Um, And, you know, he got hit a lot last year, and his offensive line didn't protect him, and the officials didn't protect him, and and defenses capitalized that and and rattled him as much as they could. Um, Has the offensive line improved enough to give him a better chance?
1: I don't know, but I think they they have to change how they play offense, and he has to change how he plays quarterback. Um, I think he's at a career crossroads where, you know, they, they overspent like crazy on Khalil to be their left tackle, but you know his brother's there, and they know a lot about him. I mean, maybe he's an upgrade, and, and then they fell into to Mouton, uh, and I think he could be a quality right tackle, but he's going to be a rookie. I like the interior of their offensive line quite a bit, but. It all comes down to how you're going to use them. You know that uh, philosophically, what this offense did was we're going to base a very diverse running game around the legs of our quarterback. We're going to have huge wide receivers because our quarterback's not that accurate. He needs a bigger window to throw into. And plus, you would think that the Benjamins and Funches of the world would be above average blocking receivers too, because you run the ball so much as well. We're going to be big and physical and slow, <laughs> you know, and, you know, if you look at that team before the draft, they lack quickness, they lack speed at all skill positions, you know, and they were just going to beat you to death with a big, powerful quarterback and Jonathan Stewart and, you know, run after run and take deep shots with big receivers. And it worked two years ago extremely well. But eventually, and it always comes down to this with quarterbacks, and we talk about with Kaepernick and RG3 and these guys, too, that, You've got to operate from the pocket more. You know, that defenses get fat, faster, or, you know, quarterbacks get older and defenses don't. And I know Cam's Superman, but can only take so much pounding, and you can't treat your quarterback like he's Mike Allstott week after week. It eventually catches up to you. And so, therefore, it's pretty clear what they did. You know, we're going to go get playmakers with quickness and speed in the draft, and McCaffrey and Samuel and hopefully we'll have more short passes for Cam. And, you know, uh, instead of my first read's not there, I'm going to tuck it and run, I can dump it to these guys, and they'll make plays and have other guys with the ball in their hands. Will he adapt his play? None of us know that. I'm sure the Carolina staff doesn't know that, but I would think his body is telling him he better. Yeah. I mean, but, but none I mean, of us I think mean, he's ever going to be Tom Brady. That pitch
0: was McCaffrey pick to Carolina and talked about, you know, the diversity of the running game. I mean, is he going to help out Cam? Is he going to help out the Panthers? Are you a McCaffrey believer? Is he a guy that we can see make a real run for rookie of the year?
1: Yeah, I love him. I mean, I I think he's a great player, a great returner. Um, People I know at the Combine said McCaffrey is the best receiver here, and they're not talking about running backs. They're talking about everybody that was at the Combine. He's the best receiver here. So it wouldn't even shock me that he's not only a running back, but he might be their number one slot receiver, too. So you might see formations with your personnel groups with Stewart, Olsen, Funchess, Benjamin, and McCaffrey as your pure slot receiver. So I'm not positive, and I think this is where some people are jumping the gun on him, that I'm not sure that he's necessarily Stewart's replacement, or is he just going to be a different style player? And a year from now, they draft a 230-pound running back too.
0: Right, and Cam's going to have to get rid of the ball quickly if the yeah. offensive lineman's still going to struggle. I mean, McCaffrey's a good way, good way to get
1: that, you know,
0: get that done, isn't it?
1: Yes, and Samuel's kind of a wild card too. In that he's very fast. Um, is he going to be the new Ted Ginn? Or is he going to be a guy you give reverses and bubble screens? And he had quite a few carries at Ohio State. You know, are they going to use him and McCaffrey very similar? And, and Or is Samuel just going to run fast down the sidelines like Teddy did?
0: So, I mean, this is another team that very intriguing. We really don't know which way they go, what their stealing can be. Um Can this be a playoff team? Ask the same question about
1: Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think so. I think every team in this division can be a playoff team. Um, You know, we're all guessing with them more than other teams because uh, three years ago they would not have drafted McCaffrey and Samuel. You know, uh, their moves, where they're putting their money and, you know, their resources tell us that they're going to change how they play football on offense. We'll see if Cam does, and we'll see if the play calling does, you know, or – on third and four, are they going to run quarterback power again right into a 300-pound defensive tackle? You know, we'll see.
0: So, I mean, let me ask you this question. If, could you see a scenario where in three years Cam Newton is out of the game or, a, or a, you know, backup quarterback somewhere else?
1: No, not a backup quarterback. I mean, if he's out of the game it would be because he's broken, not because, you know, I mean, he's a super talent. And I don't love his style of play because accuracy is always going to be a problem. And um, like like I said, I mean, he's never going to be confused with Tom Brady. We're not going to, that's not sugar-coated before, you know, at the line of scrimmage or um, the way he plays the game. And eventually, you know, that runs out. But could he transform himself and have a Big Ben-like career maybe? You know what I mean? Like, Eventually, you got to rely on the brains more than the brawn. And I hope that this offseason we see more of that. I don't think he'll ever be super accurate, but he's just so unbelievably talented. He's basically going to be a starter as long as he wants. You know, he, he's, he's more freaky than any quarterback in the league to me.
0: And I do think he is a guy that can use his brains. I think he's a pretty yeah.
1: savvy guy. I'm not no. implying he's dumb at all. He just yeah. doesn't no, play no, a no, cerebral no. brand of football.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, but what I'm saying is, I, I think the approach that you're suggesting that he could take, I think he's capable of doing it if he wants to. You know, he's he's kind of a, he. I think he enjoys being a superstar. Um, you know, and I think he enjoyed going to the Super Bowl, but let's see him go try to win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean?
1: And I don't know him personally, but I do think his actions are not childish, but more immature than, you know, many quarterbacks in the league. But, you know, I also think that that could be, uh, you know, enthusiasm and rub off on his teammates in a positive way, too.
0: And I think he has a good – I think him and Ron Rivera are good fits. Ron Rivera is a very measured thinking guy, a former player, you know, former linebacker. So he's tough, but he's also very, you know, bright and 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 he's not. He's very unexcitable. So I think he's a good, I think he's a good calming factor for the quarterback. So I, I would like to see that combo stick together for a while. You know, I, yeah. don't, I don't know if Bill O'Brien and Cam Newton would be a great pairing, but Ron Rivera and Cam Newton is a good pairing.
1: I agree. I agree. I mean. That's a hard thing to comment on, sitting on the phone with you, but you know not being there. But it, it certainly has worked, and yep. you don't hear anything about friction. And what you know about both people do seem to complement each other. One well again, you know, one, once again, they're well, you know. And I do think you know that this, and I've said it many times about Carolina, they know who they are, you know, and they have a plan in place they don't really you know i think they self scout as well as any organization out there you know that right. we know who cam newton is we're going to build around him and now we're we've realized that that's run out to some degree so we need to change things up a little bit and make cam's life easier as opposed to just throwing it all on his plate and building around him that way so i think they have a i think they're a strong organization
0: The last thing I want to say about this team is, and you mentioned Tampa Bay saying how fun they're going to be on offense. If Cam is right, and if McCaffrey is as advertised and as multidimensional in the NFL as he was in college, those two are going to be must watch stuff every Sunday.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, again, I mean, Olsen's not going away. I think Funchess is a little bit better than we thought. Benjamin has done some things. He's not my favorite, but um, again, I mean, there's a and I don't think Stewart's done. You know that you mix in now McCaffrey and Samuel. You know the blocking should be better. That there's a chance that this offense is pretty dynamic. Yeah, yeah. We talked a little bit about
0: the Saints uh, earlier, and you know all the injuries and things. We're wrapping up on them. you know, they got two Hall of Famers in that backfield with Breeze and, and Peterson. We, we know Breeze is probably going to have another big year because he always does, and he's already old. He was old last year. He's old the year before. Um, can, can that presence of Breeze and a pretty good offense help Peterson – be dynamic for one more year, and I'm not talking 1,800 yards dynamic. I'm talking maybe 11, 1200 yards
1: dynamic. I think so, I really do. And I do some fantasy things, and I want him on my team. And I'm kind of going to go down swinging with if anybody can do it, it's him. You know, like usually if you if I wrote a script about a what a 32 year old running back that's you know changing teams and Is this going to be Franco Harris with Seattle or, you know, O.J. Simpson with San Francisco? I don't think it is in this case. I just think he's such a freak that, and all the reports are so glowing, that I think he's going to have a really big year. And I don't have a great reason to say that, except for I just don't think he's like everybody else. You know, that I say this a lot. You know, I did recruiting for four years, basically, and watched so much high school tape. And I happened to see his highlight tape coming out of high school. And of every player I ever saw, he's the one that I would have been most confident could have made the jump from the NFL to, you know, from from high school to the NFL. I mean, I just think he's crazy gifted and can do things at advanced age that others can't. I mean, it was just two years ago that he was the best back in the league. You know, I mean, um, I like Ingram, but I think Peterson's going to go right past him, and they're going to use him a lot.
0: And Peterson has shown in the past when he's had something to prove, whether it's coming exactly. back from injury or suspension. Now it's coming back from basically being cut by his, you know, career team. That he plays with a purpose and he is very productive.
1: Yeah, and you know, we started this by talking about their offensive line. They've historically had one. You know, under Breeze, they always have a very good offensive line. They always invest in offensive linemen. And more than most teams in the league, especially interior guys, because Breeze is shorter and he needs to be able to step up in the pocket and he needs to see. Um, but, you know, they have two, two big offensive line injuries, but they signed a guard to big money, and they drafted Ramchek in the first round. So it might not hurt them as bad. You know they're going to throw. You know Peyton's going to you know, devise offense. You know they're always going to put up points. I think Peterson's going to do a lot, and I like Ingram, but I don't think they do. <laughs> they always seem to, you know, to go out their way to not help, you know, right. to, to try to replace them.
0: Right. Wrapping up the Saints, what needs to happen for them to make the playoffs? Uh,
1: I mean, I don't think ten and six is crazy talk for them, or Carolina, or Tampa. Um, of course, the easy answer for New Orleans is, if the defense could be middle of the road or slightly below average, you know that that gives you a fighter's chance against anybody. And they're always better at home than on the road, and they have a tough division like all these, you know, like all four of these teams. Of course, um, I, I hate the Fairley injury, but I do think that the defense is better, especially in the back end. I think their secondary is actually going to be good, not just okay. But their front seven and their pass rush is really worrisome to me. You know, that uh, Cameron Jordan's a really good player. I think last year's first round picks, Rankins has a chance to be a star. Uh, we didn't see enough of him last year, but who else? <laughs> you know, without Fairley there, they were already missing an edge rusher. That they're going to have to probably win shootouts again, but that's not new to them.
0: Right. Um yeah, and, and this can be a, a year of change in, in New Orleans. I mean, if, if things don't go great, I mean, maybe Breeze isn't back and, you know, maybe Payton is gone. So, you know, that window may be closed, that, you know, or this era may be closing soon in New Orleans.
1: It almost has to close soon. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, to say that it's going to close soon, it almost has to. I don't know how it can't. But it's been a pretty good window, and... You know, that's one of the, you know, Brady and Belichick obviously take the cake, but of this generation, there's not a whole lot better quarterback head coach tandems that we've seen.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, if you're just, you know, a fan that likes watching good football, the Saints have given you a lot of entertaining games over the last
1: six, seven years. Or you know, if you're in, on your fantasy yeah. team. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, the guy puts up crazy numbers every year.
0: Right. Uh, if Tuesday morning you look up, uh, who's who's the Monday Night Football game next week? And one of the teams is the Saints, you, I think you're in on that, you know.
1: It's going to be fun. There's going to be points.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, wrapping up this division, lots of questions, lots of possibilities, right? I mean, so it's a lot of intrigue here.
1: Yeah. Again, and that's to me. And most of it's positive, and that's to why to me they're in the hunt for the best division in the league. Um, Atlanta could win the Super Bowl. I mean, they almost did. They're better on defense. I think all four of these teams are serious playoff contenders. That all the divisional games should be highly entertaining. There's a lot of storylines here. There's a lot of fun off-season additions. Uh, this is a fun division and a very good one. So last question, is
0: Atlanta the clear favorite or closer to that?
1: Clear might be a strong word, but um, they're the best team in the division, in my opinion, and a step above the others. You know, like, I think I did a power ranking, like, right after the draft, and I know I had the Patriots one, and the next tier to me was Seattle, Atlanta, and the Steelers. So you know they're maybe the second best team in the league in my opinion. or in that conversation, but the other well, three teams yeah. in the division to me are probably somewhere from eight to fifteen in the NFL. That I mean that's in, in the NFL. I mean, that yeah, that constitutes a
0: pretty damn good division then.
1: Yeah, right. I mean if you can make the argument that all four of those teams are at worst league average, I think that's what they are. Right. So this... uh, And maybe they're even better than your AFC West. The wild card race,
0: you know, you're going to have to start looking at the AFC South first, maybe, huh?
1: Yeah, and they'll probably beat up on each other, of course. Um, But I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, maybe they're better than the AFC West. I mean, I, I think Atlanta's slightly better than Oakland, and I think maybe Denver's the worst team of the eight. Well... Well, uh, yeah,
0: we'll, do that, we'll do that ranking here in a few weeks. Okay. Next week we're going to wrap up the deep dives of the division with the NFC West. Um, and, you know, there's maybe one of the weaker divisions, but there's certainly at least one really quality team there. And about programming note, we're going to do it Wednesday because the 4th of July falls on our, our Tuesday slot. So we'll be back on next Wednesday, July 5th. So, Matt, happy, happy Fourth of July. Thanks for doing this, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson, everybody.